Hey there, welcome to Your Basket's Empty. My name is Richardson and I'm your host. On today's episode, I sit down with my colleague and friend, Faye Ockenfull, and we talk about her jewellery startup business, uh, the gender balance within the e-com space, and how she means perspective, given she has quite a busy personal and professional life. Quick correction before we begin the episode. Uh, I mentioned that the world is 13.5 billion years old. It is, in fact, 4.5 billion years old. So there you go. Correction made. Before we get into it, I want to give a big shout out to my sponsor for this episode, LTV+. Plus. What's LTV+. Plus? They're a customer experience outsourcing company that provides outsourced customer experience teams for e-commerce brands. They build and manage your own dedicated team of live chat agents, customer support agents, social media moderators, back office support, and content translators. Looking to grow your brand internationally? Want to outsource your customer experience in any time zone or language? And check them out at ltvplus.com. And just for my listeners, they are providing a 10% discount off the first three months. All you need to do is key in the promo code EMPTYBASKET2020. Enjoy the episode. Faye, welcome to the podcast. Um, I want to rewind. I want to talk through Bohemian Collective. Yeah. Tell me all about it. Okay, so... Um it started when I was um, when I was twenty one, and I um, I was doing a sandwich year at university. Um, I did law at uni, which that I wasn't think... uh, trained to become a uh, subway sandwich artist. No, no. Okay, <laughs> good. I'm glad I clarified that. Yeah. So in between gap, yeah. gap thing going on. Yeah, 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 yeah that yeah. would have been a great sandwich year, but no. Um, it was it was supposed to be to do with law, and um, I went and did loads of interviews with solicitors and I was like wow I really don't want to be in this industry (laughs) like this is not me um so the way I kind of got around it was um I went to volunteer at Citizens Advice Bureau and I did that upper um upper street in Islington um and that was a brilliant experience but it it's really difficult because day in day out you're just dealing with people's problems you know people that are in debt people that are getting extradited like all sorts of you know really was this like a hotline or something it, or was, was it like a, an advice service sort of yeah it was yeah. an advice service people would come in and legal advice but it would obviously yeah it it was um no one was trained to give legal advice but you a lot of it was signposting but some of it was like debt management right, right. or um so it was really quite um, it took a lot out of me, you know, it was, it was very, it was very rewarding, but it was also, I'd come home and be like, wow, like people have real problems out there. Like, you know, people are getting evicted and all sorts of things. And it was, it was really a difficult thing to do. So I really like needed a creative outlet and I've always been very creative. And I think having done law and then going on to do this very, um, difficult voluntary service I was like I need to do something so I just started making jewelry and I would put it on Facebook and sell it to you know all my friends and family and then all of a sudden it just kept like people just kept getting in touch and being like could you do this and can you make that and so then I started um I called it wired jewelry at first because I'd make things out of wire so like sterling silver sterling silver wire um so 
once I kind of got to the point where I was like, wow, I'm actually like making some money from this. This is like crazy. Um, I launched my first website, which was on WordPress at the time. Um, and luckily for me, my other half is a web developer. So very that, handy. Yeah, that got off the ground uh, <laughs> pretty quickly. Um, and yeah, like it kind of, I never set out to be like, I want to start a business or it was just a creative outlet that then I, I was almost forced down that route of, of owning a business and it just got bigger and bigger and it then became this next kind of step for me. So it, it kind of got me out of this really bad spot that I was in. I was like struggling um, and it was my savior, I suppose, in a way. And then it just became this this business, which was amazing. And then I kind of, the whole thing that I wanted to do with this business was um, all the jewelry, I wanted it to be long lasting. So everything I made in sterling silver. Um, and that was really important to me. Um, and so I suppose the next things that happened with that really, I taught myself how to silversmith. So um, just through like videos and books and that sort of thing, trial and error. Um, and then I kind of, I got a bit more serious with it and got into getting things manufactured. So I'd make the original and then they'd, they'd cast it and, and um, uh, so I could mass produce it more so. And that came at a very good time because um, one real turning point in the business was um, those uh, like above knuckle rings um, mm, that mm. were a big thing a, a while ago. I um, really wanted one myself and couldn't find anywhere that sold them. So I started playing around with like kids rings and like toe rings. And I was like, I'll just make this. So I made it, mass produced it. And it was like, it just went crazy. Like that was like... I made more money in like one day than what I did in the whole year. Like it was, it was, it was mad. Um, and so that was a really big thing for me. But once you kind of have a big thing, then Topshop start doing it and ASOS start Those doing it. <laughs> Unbelievable. So it, it became very bloody mainstream. <laughs> I know, I know. I mean, yeah. I mean, That's I didn't, why. I didn't invent it. Like it was out there. It's, it's a cultural thing. Like there, you yeah, know. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, but it just wasn't available in the way in which I wanted it. So um, I did it for me, and then everyone else seemed to want it too. So that was really cool. Um, got featured in a few magazines, few bloggers, um, and that sort of thing. So that was really cool. That's really interesting. So you like were on the path to law, realized the realities yeah. of being a solicitor or a barrister or whatever it is that your your legal path was going to be and then totally did a pivot and like, yeah, you know, I want to do something interesting with my life. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's so cool. Yeah. Um, so like how did, because then you moved on to um, Treatwell and Dot Digital. Was Bohemian Collective, did that kind of come to a, a, a natural end or were you sort of, you know, did that continue on as, as you, you sort of came into more conventional career or was it a I'm done with this now and I want to do something else how did that work so it was it it's it's a difficult one because it was it was probably over a year that it it was starting to come to an end and a big part of that actually which is um ironic because it it is what got me out of a difficult situation with my mental health at the beginning mm -hmm. 
at the end it was taking a real toll on on my mental health and because it, I just wasn't finding the joy in doing it anymore and when you have to wear so many different hats all the time and hats you really don't want to wear like doing tax returns and that sort of thing I found so that don't want to be a lawyer don't want to be a tax accountant <laughs> no. okay right good yeah um Check. nothing corporate really um so I I was really finding that very difficult and I was suffering very badly from anxiety um to the point where I wasn't leaving the house for like seven days at a time. Like, I, it was it was a real. Like now I look back, I'm like, wow, that was so bad. But at the time, it it didn't feel like that. But I I realised this is not good for me. And um, at the time, Ben and I were living like separately, um, and we'd lived together for four years, so it was a long distance relationship my like mental health and once all of that comes into the mix you really lose your motivation and uh, and the business went from doing incredibly well and something I was really proud of and to just really suffering and I just couldn't come up with new designs and that creative element just went and I was like do you know what I started this when I was 21. I don't know all the answers. I can't force myself to be creative anymore. I just want to go out there and work and like mm. learn from mm. other businesses mm. and have, find a different passion so um yeah so I, I moved to London and then um I had a little job with in marketing uh, wedding dress designers for a little bit and that was like five of us worked there and it was the craziest thing I've ever done um the, the CEO was crazy um but then treat well well hander at the time they like saved me from that and um yeah so went there to become an account manager um when I started there there was like 70 people and when I left there was 500 so they grew rapidly in the time that I was there okay so talk me through the rapid growth at um at treat well so what was it like? Was it totally chaotic and you got to that growth point and then looked back and go, oh my God, we've just done all that? Or was it just like a big washing machine for the entire time you were there? So it was, I mean, when I started, it was a real, like you knew everyone, a bit like we met websites, like you know everyone's name and that I loved that part of the the business. And then um, they, as Wahanda, started buying um, competitors out in Europe um rebranded to treat well they got investment from a Japanese firm um and it, it just I suppose it it became this huge business overnight almost and it was amazing to see and Lopo um the founder of it he's one of the most inspirational leaders you know he'd stand up in front of the company and really make everyone feel like one, their job was really important, but also like that you could do anything that you wanted. You know, it was all achievable. Um, and that was my first real experience of um, uh, working with a founder like that and actually having that sort of really inspirational person to look up to. And I think that he was really key in the fact that they became this huge, big business. Um, but in the end, I think I... they were, I think... 
same as every business they have teething problems with growth like it's you can't grow to that size and everything is is perfect and the thing for me that I really wanted to get back into was um marketing I I just being an account manager I really enjoyed the people side of it and it taught me a lot about managing relationships and all of that sort of thing but it wasn't my passion and um, so they weren't particularly good at allowing people to move within the business. You were quite siloed and you stuck to it. And I think that was just, they're much better at it now through friends I know that work there. But um, at the time, it was it was all too much, I think, for them. So for me, I, I went to University um, of Arts London, did a digital marketing course and was like, I'm going to I'm going to leave and do that. So it was a difficult thing to leave because I loved the company and loved all the people, but you know, it wasn't it wasn't giving me that passion. I wasn't, you know, excited to go to work anymore really. So um so yeah, so I left um and then went to Dot Digital. Yeah, so what drew you there was that, you know, for all intents and purposes there, are, you know, uh, an email marketing platform, right? Obviously broader than yeah. that in terms of the technology and services they offer certainly now. Is that what attracted you to the company? How did you get in there? Yeah, I was very like interested in email. I knew that I didn't want to do anything in social media. Like I'd spent three and a half years doing social media until I was blue in the face and I just didn't want to do that anymore. So, um, but one part of um, uh, my business that I really enjoyed was putting emails together and, and doing all of that. So um, yeah, I was like, oh, well, this sounds great. I, I really enjoy email. It's quite a specialism. And I, I thought at that time I really wanted a specialism. Um, and also like they work with some great clients, you know, ones that I w- was aspiring to work with and work with them on their email campaigns. So um, yeah, I just, it spoke to me, I suppose, at the time. And now you're here. Yeah. Growth manager yeah. at We Make Websites. Um, yeah, I suppose we could go into why you joined here and all the amazing things, but this isn't a job interview. Yeah. So <laughs> yeah. Let's assume all of that stuff is great. So I want to talk more broadly about like your kind of, um, I suppose, position and your take on e-com in general, but you, you're part of a few female-led groups mm. within the e-com space in London specifically. So I'm kind of keen to talk about that and explore it. So what's your take on the kind of, I suppose, the gender balance and yeah. how the ecosystem is treating it and I suppose the positives, the negatives, all that sort of stuff. Yeah. What, do you, what do you reckon is going on at the moment? Well, I think we're we're actually very lucky because um, we make websites, I mean, this nice little bubble of a company that hires people because they're good at what they do. Doesn't matter what gender they are. Um, and we have a very good balance with, you know, male and female. Um, and we are also in the Shopify ecosystem again, which has a very good gender balance and it's not very corporate, you know, you're welcomed in no matter what there's, you know, there's real diversity within this Shopify ecosystem. Um, so I think we're very sheltered from the fact that actually still out there, you know, if you go to a convention for maybe one of the other more corporate platforms, um, you know, it is white men in suits. Like it still is like that and you, you forget that. So um, 
I think it's still got a long way to go. Um, and especially I think female developers, you know, there just aren't enough out there and it maybe, you know, I don't know the answer to why that is, but um, I, I do still think that um, it has a long way to go. I think that going to things like female-led groups, I, it, we all have a responsibility as strong females in the tech industry to encourage others to strive for better and to work on themselves. Um, and I think you have to be really careful because no one is saying that women get a free pass or we're trying to fill a quota and we want to get it to 50% because that's not what it is. Like, we just want to strive for diversity and we want to give people a fair and equal um, an equal chance. And I think as women, we owe it to ourselves to keep that um, on a level playing field. And I think things like um, girl boss and mumtrepreneur and female founder are words we just have to get rid of. Like you're a boss, you're an entrepreneur and you're a founder. Like, like no one says boy boss and male founder. Like we, and, and it's often women that are perpetuating that. And, it, and I think it comes from a good place, but we have to stop it. Like there is no gender. You are what you are. Like, so I think. And I think males need to be part of that conversation. Right? Yeah. Because there's still the element where there, there is an element or a percentage. So it needs to be a group conversation. Yeah. And pushing, yeah, the agenda to be a natural concept. That, yeah. Yeah, leaders are female. Yeah. And that's it. Yeah. yeah I, I, I agree. And I think it, it's really challenging, right? Because it's not like those elements haven't got benefits. Yeah. And they've pushed the agenda into the kind of um, the conversation. Yeah. But yeah, I agree. I think like trying to ensure that the gender consciousness is there in the general conversation and we are leading it by example and doing is like really important really important yeah i think you're right though like the we seem to be pretty good in terms of gender balance i know we've got an above average kind of um male female to male ratio which is good and i think Everyone we seem to talk to, right? All the partners, yeah, pretty balanced. Yeah, I think I probably feel that at the next level or more of the senior leadership yeah. level in a lot of the kind of companies that we interact with and um, people that we we deal with, it probably needs a bit more of a shift. I reckon. Yeah. I think down at the sort of level that we operate, it's pretty balanced, but we want to see more at the top. Yeah, you know, which I think is a general thing, right? I mean, mm-hmm. I don't know what the statistics are of, you know, female-led CEOs in the UK and the yeah. US. I'd say it's still very much underrepresented, right? Yeah. You know, so yeah, I think it's good to be talking about it. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, it's good to have it on the on on in yeah. the conversation. We know? don't have all the answers, but I think there's things that all of us can do to, and it, you know, it's not just about male female. It's just about being open to diversity in general totally, and right? yeah. you know i mean gender as a concept is a very fluid exactly <laughs> yeah exactly yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so yeah i think we as long as everyone is conscious of that and striving towards that you know whether it's through their hiring process or whatever like totally yeah and, and i had uh, diana from Adweek on the podcast a little while ago and she we were talking about um victoria's secret and yeah. its kind of rise and fall and she made a really good point that 
these things will self-perpetuate if there's an echo chamber. Yes. So if you've got the same people in the room, yeah, yeah. you're just going to keep doing it. So, you know, I think it's really part of the a company's core culture is to go, right, well, we've built a culture, but we need different perspectives. So yeah. how do you allow yeah. the culture to continue and grow, but introduce new perspectives yeah. and not create an echo chamber, which, you know, because one echo chamber could be... Uh, all white middle class men and women. Yeah. So you've you've done well on the the, the gender front. Yeah. But are you really that diverse? Yeah. Right. Yeah. So anyway, we're getting yeah We're getting deep. Yeah. yeah. But that's what this is about. Okay. So um, I'm keen to kind of uh, look at what you think in terms of the broader ecom space. So. <laughs> Not that I feel that you need to uh, unload with statistics, <laughs> but what do you think is general trends or what's your kind of predictions for, mm. I don't know, direct consumer e-com yeah. in 2020? What are we likely to see, not see? So sort of stuff. I suppose like the big thing we're seeing at the moment and everyone's talking about it is um, the closure of, you know, huge high street um, retailers. I think, um, and generally seeing a trend towards um, uh, direct to consumer, um, I think what we'll see is um, solutions out there and brands being more creative with how they access that consumer. Um, and I went to a really interesting talk the other day with Klarna, um, and I'm sure they won't mind me mentioning this ahead of its release. Um, but they are um, uh, launching this thing where you can buy directly from a billboard. So you see a pair of trainers on a billboard. It's got a QR code. You scan it with the Klarna app. They've got your address. You do buy now, pay later, and it arrives at your house. You wow. don't even visit the retailer. Wow. Like, and that, that is, is just... Blade Runner stuff. I mean, is, yeah. yeah you, LA 2020 or 2019. Like that is... I mean, I mean, it's a very simple idea and how someone hasn't thought of that before because it's only using a QR code. They've been around for years. I suppose they have access to millions of customers that are already signed up to Klarna, right? So the likelihood is if you see a pair of trainers you like, you're probably with a retailer that uses Klarna you bought from them before which means all your details are there but I just yeah it's crazy I think things like that where we're being a bit more creative with how we access those customers and how we make it um, easier for them to buy um, is going to be a really big thing I think it's really exciting because you know Visa has been around for years and years and they've mm. never they've never really done anything with that and I, I think it yeah, it's it's uh, it'll be an interesting one. So yeah, it seems like the space is getting like from all angles disrupted, right? Mm. And there's just disruption happening. I know that's a like very very common term. Yeah, <laughs> disruptors, challenges. But ultimately, I feel that as you know, consumers, we benefit from it. Yeah. I mean, of course, there's a. Uh, a, a, another side to it and that is that the, the the evil powers of the world own all of our data they know exactly what they're yeah. doing my take is you know what if they're going to recommend me stuff that i could use yeah go ahead take it yeah. i'm not doing anything that weird on the internet no so exactly I don't really mind. you know yeah. if i had something to hide you know i'd be maybe a yeah. little bit more worried and i i just not. don't think they're going to be that interested in me yeah. either like yeah. they're going to be like yeah 
I, looking at dog pics on yeah. Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> like, yeah. Yeah. So. Um, so I suppose like following on from that, what brands are you interested in or what brands speak to you now? Um, Maybe that didn't or, you know, like didn't yeah. used to. Because, I mean, we've all got our favorite yeah, yeah, you know, yeah. Like loyal brands that we've yeah. always been interested in. But I suppose what's, who's speaking to you right now and how are they speaking to you? So, there's a, well, there's a couple. So, and for really different reasons. Um, so Desmond and Dempsey, I think, just are they put the customer at the center of everything they do like the their tone of voice and the way they speak to their customers their email journeys um everything is done with thought and i just think it it's it's a very simple thing for a brand to do but it's so impactful but so many don't do it and i think they do it incredibly well um and I didn't even buy pajamas for me. We, we bought them for someone else. But I felt like I was, you know, really part of that journey. And it, it just felt very nice. And um, I would buy from them just because of that. So I think they're doing that incredibly well. Um, one, and again, I think like this is probably one for a lot of people. But I think Patagonia are doing so much for big business being ethical um, and sustainable, using recycled fabrics. It's very easy. Well, it's not easy, but if you're a small business, there's lots of them doing that. But I think they're showing that, you know, there's responsibility with big business to be doing this. And they are, they've got a big platform and, you know, they're, they're speaking to that platform. And, and I think that they should, that's really respectful, you know, the way in which they do it and, yeah, I think they deserve all the success that that they that they yeah, have. Yeah, and they've definitely had it from the outset. Right? Yeah, I feel that the sustainability yeah. angle is um, something that's in vogue. Yeah, right? I mean it's great because it's on our consciousness and the climate is changing yeah. and we need to think about this stuff. However, I think the authenticity is questionable. Yeah, in some brands, yeah. those guys, it's just there. It's like inherent, been, yeah. yeah, and I think like outdoor brands, anyone that's kind of like in 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 the space of being in nature you'd have to have it in your DNA because yeah. you would be seeing it, yeah, you know, yeah, yeah, like exactly. uh, whether you're, yeah, I- into the brand or not, like yeah. you're, you're going to be noticing the fact that this planet has got a shelf life. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I, I saw a slight digression, but um, my auntie showed me a comedian. I think he's from the 80s. I can't remember what it is. I must get it. But he was talking about like, it was a comedy skit, but there was a sort of philosophical element to it. And like the planet's actually going to be okay. We're going to die. Yeah. Like we, like the planet has been around for 13.5 billion yeah, years. You yeah. know what I mean? Asteroids have hit this thing. It is eradicated an entire species, you know, in the dinosaurs. Yeah. At, like we will die. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's going to be cool. You yeah. know what I mean? I think that's a, that, that to me is interesting because there's so much talk of climate change and we're going to kill the planet. That's not quite right, is it? Yeah, like we're going to so kill ourselves. True, yeah. We're so bloody selfish humans, you know. Yeah. Like the planet will survive yeah. if we manage to actually blow up this, you know, um, uh, this place. Then we've done an incredible job. Yeah, it'll be fine. Yeah, you know. Yeah, you're so right. Humans will go. Yeah. you know, we'll kill yeah. ourselves, and it'll just chug along. You know. Yeah. For the next few Regenerate. billion years. 
yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the, there's a statistic, uh, uh, I think it's in, uh, what's his, uh, Stephen Hawking's Brief History of Time. I think in something like 1.7 billion years, we're going to get close enough to the sun that everything's going to die in anyway. Right. Yeah. But the planet <laughs> will still be around. Yeah. All right. So that's interesting. There you go. Um, okay. So agency life is pretty hectic. Yeah. I think we can both agree on that one. Yeah. <laughs> First hand. So uh, how do you maintain balance in your life? And um, I suppose at the same time, meeting like personal yeah. and professional goals, like what, what's your uh, yeah. hot tips? I mean, I don't think anyone's got the, the perfect uh, answer to this. Like it's, I, I still don't, even you know 10 years into my career know exactly how to balance I think like November and December were crazy for me both at work and personally um and I think I just ride the waves like if it's busy I just go with it and I think you know what January is going to be quiet so I'll have some rest and relaxation then and that's when I probably focus more so on things like we're just like renovating our house at the moment and that in itself is such a huge challenge like what light switches where do you want the light switches like tell me about it oh it's, it's like, just and then I find <laughs> uh for the listeners out there both Faye and I have have recently uh, been fortunate enough to get some um onto the property ladders well you before me but um and if you don't know it all you've either got to get, get someone to get yeah and do it or you got to figure it out yourself. So yeah. there's a lot of YouTubing and DIYing. Yeah. yeah. Sounds fun, doesn't it? it? I think. It's really not, is yeah. it? Well, and of course, it's a first world problem. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Clarify yeah. that for yeah. everyone. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no. And do you know what? I actually really enjoy it. Like interior design and all of that. I'm really into it. Um, and I actually want to do like a course in it because I just, I love it so much. Um, but it's more... Yeah, it's, I don't know, it's, it's, you've got to do this before you do that. And it's that whole, you've got to project manage it. It's, that's the difficult part. So, um, but yeah, so I would say that, but then also, um, and you know this, I don't take a day off unless I'm traveling. So I use all of my holiday in the year and it goes towards either traveling abroad or traveling in the UK, like, go camping, go down to Brighton for the day or, or whatever. I just don't believe in having a day off to sit at home. Um, that's just me. Um, and I, I'm, we're all like always have a very active holiday. I don't rarely sit by a pool, maybe like one or two days, but I find, um, I come back energized, you know, when, when I've been on walks or, um, just been, I suppose, submerged in a different, culture or um being outside really I love that you know I love love going camping walking the dog and all of that sort of stuff so um yeah like I think work hard play hard which is very cliched but I really do play hard when it comes to <laughs> travel so so uh, how does uh um Freddie fit into all of this so if you're listening out there, he's got a very, very cute dog. And if you follow, we make websites on any of our marketing channels, you're probably very familiar with him. Yeah. Do you find he's a source of balance where, Yeah. you know, like 
I don't know, because I got a dog as well, right? And I find I was fine. Like yesterday, I got home and I like play with the dog for a bit, and it sort of really took me away because yeah. the dog doesn't have any of these worries, and I yeah. love it. I love yeah. the fact that the dog just loves getting like a pat, or yeah. like you know the the the, the, the sort yeah. of going for a walk. They just absolutely love it. Yeah. The simplicity of it. Yeah, I find I try and tap into that yeah. somehow. Totally. You know? Yeah, I um. Yeah, I think one, it it gives me routine and I'm not a very structured person. Like I come into work at all different times. I leave, you know, I'm not, and it it, it has forced me to have some sort of structure, especially at the weekends because you have to walk them and all of that. Um, It's forced me to get outside even more than what I was anyway. So there's not a day that goes by that we don't walk him and, um again like I love that I've seen you know seen some beautiful places in the UK that I probably wouldn't have had we not got the dog um and yeah you're right like seeing how happy he is to just be like walking and chasing squirrels it really does like bring me so much joy and so yeah I agree with you it's it it makes you just forget anything that's going on in your life and you're just like I, I regularly have conversations with Daisy, like actual conversations. Like <laughs> yeah. saying to her, Look, I've got this idea, Daisy. Would you like to go to work tomorrow? And I'm going to stay. <laughs> and the look she gives you, you know, it's so good. All right. I want to try and sort of wrap it up. And I'm going to, I'm going to sort of uh, come to a close with a three part question. Okay. Okay. So what's the best decision you've ever made? Right. What's the worst decision you've ever made? Mm-hmm. And what does success look like? In 2020 okay so best decision I ever made and it wasn't really a conscious decision was starting the business um it was it that taught me more than any education any person has ever taught me um and I just think even though um not having had the traditional like cookie cutter marketing um, you know, go to uni- university and do marketing or do a master's in it and then work your way up through the ranks. I don't have that. And having applied for many jobs before, not got them because of that. People don't know what to do with that experience. They they just, you know, they're like, this is so different from the norm. Like, what is it? But if you've successfully been able to own a business and and make money from it then you like you can do marketing so um for me it's just given me a lot of skills for my job um skills for life and it was very hard at times but it was also the best thing I ever did so um and then I'd say worst decision wasn't like one decision again it was like lots of little decisions and I think this is an age thing but it was allowing other people to um, dictate or have um, uh, influence over my journey and my career. Um, And whether that be parents or teachers or like they only want what's best for you, but really, um, and this leads quite nicely onto what you're saying in terms of success. Um, But, you know, my mum didn't go to university and, um, she only wanted what was best for me and really was pushing me down this route of, you know, a traditional like degree and go and do that and you'll be successful. And um, But success isn't about 
um, having this like set out career and you know oh I'll get a promotion then and I'll get paid that much then and I'll buy a house then it's it's about being happy and and that and that journey that you go on as a human like you're only on this earth once and I just think if you want to change your career or you know there's so many different routes you can go down and I'm a big believer in you just go with it you know um and um yeah and even like a lot of my friends that they've done incredibly well in their careers but they, they've all you know they're all doctors and pharmacists and um dentists and so they you know they've gone down these I don't know how they do it like I couldn't do what they do they work so so hard um and even that in itself is like what am I doing <laughs> you know <laughs> I'm just marketing like it's not changing anyone's life um but it's like trying to shut that um noise out and I think as I've got older I've realized that you do you as long as you're happy and you're not affecting anyone else that is what success is so again like for um 2020 I'm not like I'm I can't put a number on it I haven't even really there's a few things I want to do but they're not like huge big goals like I want to do the interior design thing because I know that's going to make me really happy um I want to get Fred trained because again it's going to make me really happy um but in terms of like career and stuff I just I want to create this environment at work that everyone is on that like success path to like to happiness so you know my team and our like work wider growth team if everything's in place and everyone can do their job and they're all happy doing it that to me is a really successful year um so I think yeah I mean yeah we want to hit our OKRs and we want to be well well we are the best Shopify agency but you know we want to keep we weren't going to go down that route (laughs) but why not yeah we're here plug it right at the end um but yeah like I think you know we're all hit we're only here once and we all need to be happy doing it so I think if we can make that happen at work then that's success for me so be fay be happy yeah I like it that's good <laughs> advice uh thank you for joining me yeah thank you for having me there you go that's the episode thanks so much for joining me Before I go, another shout out to my sponsor for this episode, LTV Plus. If you're looking to grow your brand internationally and you want to outsource your customer experience in any time zone and language, then check them out at ltvplus.com. And remember, if you use the promo code EMPTYBASKET2020, you'll get 10% off your first three months. And yeah, finally, uh, if you're into the podcast, please support it. Please share, please like, please download. Please tell your friends and I'll see you next time.